Welcome back, everybody. We are here today with a brand new episode of Up Next with AJ. Now, today's episode is a very good episode with Alex Wasili. Alex and I met back when I was at DePaul in Chicago. He is a trombone player, musician, human, entrepreneur, creative, bartender slash mixologist, and many, many more things. He lives in California right now and is kicking ass with all of his endeavors. So I'm really excited to speak with him today and let all of you guys hear his wonderful wisdom that he has to share. So without further ado, Alex Wasili. Rock and roll. Hello. How's it Yo, going? I'm great. I'm great. Good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Welcome awesome. to Up Next with AJ. Nice. I love it. On, yes. <laughs> we're on today with the wonderful Alex Wasili. Tell Dude, us how the weather is where you are. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. And the weather, it's like 72 and not a cloud in the sky with a nice light breeze. Um, Los Angeles has been taking care of me <laughs> this winter for sure. And last winter, to be honest with you. <laughs> My God, I'm so jealous. <laughs> mm. What, uh, how bad, it's, it can't be that bad in Nashville, is it? It's not as nice as where you are. Sure. It's about 45 degrees and cloudy today, so... Ooh, well, yeah. that's okay. That's okay. You uh, know what? I think where both of us are, winter comes at least two to three months... Or, sorry, summer comes two to three months earlier than where we yes, used to live. without a singular doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, like, summer started happening in Chicago, like, halfway through June, you know, yep. if you're lucky. <laughs> You know, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I know. Mm -hmm. But summer in Chicago is definitely a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, no place like it. No, no. Well, speaking of that, that's a great lead in to our first topic of today. And that being Chicago, which is where you and I met. Yes, that is true. Um, At at the old DePaul Music School. Definitely. Um, Yeah, Chicago is is a, a very special place um, that has honestly put me, it put, I feel like in a lot of ways it put me on its shoulders and, uh, and has allowed me to do or to achieve a lot of things I really never thought were possible. Um, I was just talking about Chicago with some of my friends yesterday and just sort of like best people, man, killer artists, um, killer vibe. Everyone's so supportive. It's a, a great place. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with you. It's yeah. There's just so much there, and no matter what you do, really, you can find something there to support it. You know? Definitely. So, and you know, find people who make the same art as you. If we're talking about making art, um, mm-hmm. there's probably a scene for it and a place where you can do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, on the topic of art, tell us more about the art form that you are in and you know what you did with that in Chicago sure yeah so uh, to, yeah to anyone listening hello my name is Alex Wasili um, I am a professional trombone player um, I play with a bunch of different artists um, but the one probably that is most known right now uh, or at least that I'm known for is a band called Dumpster Funk from <laughs> New Orleans. Um, we, when, you know, there isn't a pandemic, we're touring, playing you know, 90 to 100 shows a year all across the world. Um, it is uh, a New Orleans funk band uh, kind of led by some of the original members of the Neville Brothers. Um, so pretty, you know, awesomely historic <laughs> band but you know you never know just by you never say oh that's like an old band or whatever um so yeah we play all over the country all over the world uh and it's it's awesome hard-hitting funk music um but yeah I play trombone uh my whole shtick is that you know you put it in front of me and I'll be able to play it I'm not uh not just closed off to one 
genre of music. Um, and then on the other side of things, I also produce um, events called the funk parties in Chicago. Um, that's probably something I'm pretty well known for around that town. Uh, it's a sort of a warehouse uh, party situation where I put together uh, a band and then I uh, get, you know, a couple of my friends to play as well and we throw down uh, and we've done 18 of them and they've never not sold out and they're always a good time. So um, yeah, yeah, I'd say that's, that's a, a pretty decent summation of my musical talent if we're just talking about music. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When was the last time that you had a funk party? Um, it was December of 2019 oh. is the last one. I know, right? Uh, and it was uh, who? Oh my God, I can't even remember who was on. <laughs> was it Bonzo Squad? Oh my God, I'm dying. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so yeah, long the, ago. Uh, exactly. It feels like forever ago. But um, you know, one thing that's awesome is that. I have total autonomy of that project. So I say when it happens and when it doesn't happen uh, and it will happen again, for sure. There's no question about it. So as soon as it's safe, as soon as I feel comfortable putting that many people in a room again, um, mm -hmm. it's going down. No question. And I'm, I, if you, you've, Audrey's been to them for those of you listening, <laughs> Audrey's definitely been to them and um, it's, it's, you know, it's worth, it's worth noting that um, when I, I, or I, here's my prediction, and I'm, I'll probably say this a bunch of times throughout this podcast, but I think we're like standing on the precipice of some of the most epic years ever in terms of music production, live music, live anything, uh, mm -hmm. anything that involves people. As soon as it's safe, I think it's going to be hard to keep people out of concert halls. And the same goes all the way down to a small venue. Mm -hmm. So, or even something like the funk party. Yeah, I agree. Like a new renaissance. Definitely. Roaring 20s style thing is what everyone keeps calling it, the roaring 20s. But mm -hmm. yeah, I feel pretty pretty confidently about that. Right. I do too. I, I think that everyone's so desperate right now to get out there, hear music, just mm -hmm. be among people again. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> it's going to happen. Def definitely. <laughs> yeah. So um, go ahead. I mentioned in the first episode that uh, I was kind of telling everyone a little bit about my story and I did bring up the funk parties in my, my story because they were a big thing for me in college, not just mm -hmm. going to them uh, because obviously that was a outside of class <laughs> kind of situation. But Sure. Extracurricular, if you will. <laughs> kind of <laughs> yeah sure sure but as as some of you know listening I'm in Nashville right now doing more commercial music pop songwriting and that may not have happened if it weren't for things like the funk party um oh man and people like you because I remember seeing that and seeing you going about doing your own thing even though we were in this environment where no one was necessarily telling us to do those things. Yeah. So I would just love if you could speak a little bit more in detail about going into something like a funk party, creating a funk party when you're in a conservatory setting and you've mm. got everyone around you saying, this is kind of what you are, this is the track you're on, and these are the things that you, quote-unquote, should be, you know, aiming to achieve. Definitely. I would love to talk about that. Um, <laughs> that topic right there is like, man, it's, first of all, great question. <laughs> um, and it's, it's a really a, an important point of conversation, especially for any uh, younger listeners who are in a conservatory style setting or who are who are in uh, secondary education or tertiary education in terms of, of the arts mm -hmm. and whatnot um yeah so that question i'm gonna like take a couple steps back and i want to talk really briefly um about what 
what it means to be an artist and what it means um, for your own psyche and for your own humanity um, and why and to constantly uh, and, and that what it means to be an artist to me can be answered in the same question as uh, why do I do this mm-hmm. so these are questions I literally ask my students that I ask all the students in master classes I've given whatnot is you ask yourself why am I doing this and if you don't have the answer why am I doing this whether you know your answer could be anything, you know, like uh, my parents told me to do it, or it's just something I've really found is fun or like whatever. So to answer your question, my, to, to answer that question for me, the reason I make music is because I are, well, <laughs> there are so many, there, uh, yeah, it's such a loaded question. But the main reason is I love the idea that I can take someone out of their, their terrible day for even if it's for 30 seconds, if someone trips upon my show at like Shubas or whatever, whatever venue, and they come inside and they see me and the band having a great time and they can forget about their problems for like 10 minutes. That to me is a job well done. Um, Obviously if it's more than 10 minutes, that is ideal, Mm -hmm. but uh, I think you understand what I'm saying. If Mm -hmm. I can make you forget about your problems for a minute, that um, that's a good thing. So I realized that I was good at that. Um, I, it's a, a skill that I have or whatever. It's a skill that I wanted to get good at. And that's not something that they'll ever tell you in music school. They'll never mm-hmm. ask you, why are you doing this? They'll never ask you, what is what is what about music brings you joy? You know, it's just like, right. here's the history of it. And here's the theory. And you should just know how to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair, it's not really their job to teach you how to be a good person or how to, um, you know, how to navigate the world of, of, of your emotions and whatnot. Um, should there be more mental health education in music school? Definitely. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. But um, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of rambling here. But to get to your question, once you know how and, and what it is about the arts that you, where your picture fits in, then you can sort of have your own individual voice in that situation or in that world in that realm so once you have you know your goals you figured out your side of the story like what is it that i like to do then you can start you know saying okay how do i incorporate other people into this and that is kind of where the funk parties were born i realized hey i like playing this kind of music for these people everyone seems to be having a great time you know like it's it's sort, okay. sometimes it happens by accident most of the time i'd say it probably happens by accident but once you realize, okay, I have this voice, I have this thing that I do, that is my unique individual thing, I, uh, you got to run with it. That's kind of where I come from, is like, you, if you have this skill, go for it. And uh, it's so much easier said than done. Um, there are a lot of mistakes. There are a lot of uh, painful moments. There are, it's not always green grasses, for sure. Um, but it's how do you the the original question was um how do you um say can yeah maybe you can edit this i don't know no you're fine you're fine yeah 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 how how do you find your own voice in a world where you're constantly uh being molded to go into other people's shoes i think was the original question um and that's yeah find who you are and what it is you bring to the table and as an artist as a musician as a voice and then uh dig up and find the self-confidence within you uh to go that certain route which is a lot it comes a lot easier to people some certain people than does other people just telling someone to be confident it's like telling someone to relax it just doesn't work (laughs) you know it's like telling you can't just tell someone to relax um but you know, if, with every step you take in your own education, um, that's like adding, you know, money to a savings account of confidence, you know, and when I can, I can confidently say that I know a certain style of music that I've studied a certain style of music, you know, that's where that confidence comes from. And people, I think, are naturally drawn to, uh, to confident people and to people who know, or at least act like they know what they're talking about. So yeah. um, I think, you know, there's a, there's a natural part of that that sort of comes from uh, hard study. Now, in our situation <laughs> at our music school in our conservatory, 
Um, I definitely know I was like a fly in the milk in a lot of ways. You know, I used like my own weird lingo and like I liked music that was not being taught at all at school. Um, like, I don't think we, you know, George Clinton was even mentioned once in four years of music education, which is like a travesty, you know, <laughs> and like funk music and like decades of American history in terms of like musical development. Um, funk soul disco r&b hip-hop like so like a huge percentage of american musical identity mm-hmm. it just like stops in the 50s and they don't really teach you know at, at depaul at least and am i hating on that no like i knew what i signed up for at depaul um and i got it and i'm really grateful for it and and i'm so grateful for my education there um but yeah they're in a in a conservatory setting just remember that like music doesn't live in music schools you know music lives in in venues and and concert halls and um you know all, uh, I, I don't know that's a that's a broad sweeping statement too but mm-hmm. i don't know does that kind of answer your question yeah absolutely i mean there's no clear answer to something like that i think it's like you said it's up to the individual to figure out what their path is and for some people it doesn't really make itself apparent until they've tried multiple things definitely which definitely I don't know about you but I feel like I had to go through a couple different you know ins and outs before I felt like yeah no this is really really what I want yeah for sure I mean and then you know there's there's the concept of, uh, I mean, this is something I tell my students too. It's like, you know, this, this industry that we're in is such a relationship based industry. Like it's all about it. You know, we, they joke about, it's all about who, you know, but like, it kind of really is. And it doesn't, I'm, I'm not saying like, you should just know people in power. I'm just saying having friendly relationships with so many different people, um, is at least in my experience can only help you. Um, so like being being someone who shows up for other people, uh, whether even if it's like just a text out of the blue or like a phone call or like, you know, giving someone a bag of jelly beans, like surprising them when you see them or something, you know, something silly like that, buying someone a beer at a bar, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that that, you know, that, that re- human relationships are a huge part of this this business. If we're talking about the business separated from the artistry uh, and being able like having the skill to you know, amass a group of people to support you is not easy. And it, it definitely is one of the more difficult things. And, uh-huh. um, I, you know, like you said, coming to funk parties and seeing, hey, this guy's doing this thing he likes. If you're not going out and seeing that kind of thing happen, you know, how the hell are you going <laughs> to get that idea on your own? You know what I mean? Yeah. You've you got to be, you have to be, um, you know, around or at least following uh, like-minded people like you and then acting like them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would say that the, the community in Chicago, or at least the one that you and I share is a really great one. Oh, understatement of the century. <laughs> I mean, it's like the most, the people in Chicago that I know and love, like would follow me to the end of the earth and I for them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I couldn't ask for, for better friends and, you know, some, uh, my girlfriend Autumn calls them fans sometimes it's weird <laughs> to think about but you know friends and supporters um, of people who you know who not only uh, you know are verbally supportive but you know like are giving me their money you know what I mean and like trusting me to, to entertain them and give, give them a great time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. absolutely and that's yeah long-winded answer I promise I won't, <laughs> I won't give such a long-winded answer no I mean it was a long question to be fair <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah, sort of. And, we, and I could talk about my qualms with music education all day, but I'm not going to. Right. Right. Unless you ask me. Uh, well, maybe next time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So tell us, we started with Chicago, but let's go a little bit further back. Tell us about your, you know, background. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Sure. All that. Um, yeah, I was I was born in Alexandria, Egypt, um, and then when I was a kid, I moved to Savannah, Georgia, um, and I did you know like middle school, high school in Savannah, and then I moved to Chicago when I was eighteen. Um, mom's American, dad's Egyptian. Uh, moved to Chicago when I was eighteen and went to DePaul, 
uh, mom just put me on a flight and was like, good luck, dude. Um, <laughs> which is pretty, it's like an, an epic part of our relationship for sure. I have the most supportive mom and stepdad ever. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, yeah, I moved to Chicago and went to DePaul and, you know, met the Chicago community, um, head on, made some of my lifelong best friends. Uh, and after living in Chicago for 10 years, um, I moved out to Los Angeles with my girlfriend, Autumn. Actually, she moved out here before me and then I followed her uh, a year later. And uh, I've been out here coming up on two years in April, which is just crazy to think about. Um, But uh, yeah, and I I started playing trombone when I was 15. Uh, I went to a really killer high school, public school that really, uh, I had a really influential band director who it was less music class and more like life lessons through music, um, which was really meaningful to me as a kid. It kept me out of trouble for the most part. Um, and uh, yeah, and and yeah, I've, I've been, like I said, in LA doing more studio stuff uh, out here, but definitely, you know, we miss Chicago. Chicago is one of the best places on earth, as we know, as we talk about all day. Um, but yeah, you know, like looking just, I think for kind of greener pastures, um, and sky's the limit out here for sure and i i feel that way and same in nashville man you can mm-hmm. there's so much to do um <laughs> uh, musically and that's not just you know jazz and classical or whatever so. right right yeah so mm-hmm. like you said in the beginning you play with a funk band mm-hmm. i first of all i've seen you guys play and it is y'all rock fantastic <laughs> yeah i love it yeah <laughs> and yeah i mean it's a fun it's a fun show for sure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so my question is did that happen because of a uh like you were saying it's all about who you know kind of situation was that sort of a word of mouth that helped definitely you get that gig? yeah so there's a funny story of how that gig came to be and um it's actually one of my favorites so like years ago um autumn uh autumn and i had just sort of started dating it's like the first summer of us dating after a couple of months and her mom was coming to chicago to visit and essentially like meet me and so you know it was a tuesday that she was flying in and um at the time i had been working with paris fleming a lot paris is a, one of my best friends trumpet player homie of mine who uh, plays with the Motet. Actually, he, I think he just left the Motet. He's doing, uh, he's playing with his own band, the Tomorrow People. He lives in Denver. One of my top dogs. Anyway, uh, and Autumn's mom was flying into town and we had like dinner planned and Autumn was like, okay, it's a Tuesday. Like Alex probably won't be working. Like it'll be perfect. Mm -hmm. And then two days before she flew in, I get a call from Paris um I'll never forget that phone call is at lunch or something with with Autumn and her friend and um Paris said yo I need you to clear your plans in two days because uh, <laughs> we're gonna go play with Dumpster Funk and I was just like dude I I like can't man I promised like Autumn that I wouldn't you know and he's like no dude we got to do this gig and so I told Autumn and uh and she was like well you got to tell my mom you know that you have to bail on dinner because you got you have a gig and so I did and uh she she was like yo can I come to the show and was stoked about it which was hilarious (laughs) so of course the answer is like yes you can come to the show um and that night uh me and Corbin Andrick and Paris Fleming uh went and learned all the music in two days um we memorized it and went and rocked the gig at concord music hall um and i think it was it was packed that was a really epic show and afterwards um at the time dumpster funk had been using um like regional horn sections like mm-hmm. you know like we were the chicago guys in the midwest and then they had you know philly new york san francisco la you know dallas atlanta miami so they had horns everywhere and so they you know you don't have to pay for horns to go on the road with you because we're expensive Mm -hmm. um more rooms food you know pay all that stuff so uh we did that gig and i really we really hit it off with them as a section and uh ian uh neville who's easily now one of my best friends um we just you know we we uh 
connected and we're friends. And then they came to town again in a couple months later and we played with them again. And then they asked us, uh, are you guys coming down for New Orleans Jazz Fest? And I had no intentions of doing so, but I lied and said, yeah, I'm, yeah I'll be there for <laughs> sure. You know, whatever, whatever, like this band is so much fun to play with, like whatever it takes, man, I, this is what I want to do. Right. Um, and so me, Corbin and Paris drove down to New Orleans. Um, after a gig we played in St. Louis, we drove right down to New Orleans and uh, opened for Trombone Shorty with who was playing with usher audra day juvenile and like a whole bunch of new orleans characters um rebirth all of them at this thing called the tome throwdown um which is at the Sanger theater in new orleans so we played this gig and you know they recognized hey these guys drove from chicago to come play with us in our hometown um and they offered us a couple more shows and you know one thing led to another and then the europe tour happened where they called, uh, they could only take two of us, unfortunately. So they took me in Paris. And after that tour, um, they said, well, you guys are now the guys. Like, we're going to fly you wherever because you guys, you know, know our music so well. And we worked hard and arranged it for two horns, you know, because it was arranged for three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after that, we sort of like, you know, I guess the classical term would be we won the gig. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, uh, yeah, you know, just it, it was all you know, a friendly transaction. And uh, it's been five years since that happened, which is just crazy. Wow. Um, but yeah, hundreds, hundreds of performances later, some pretty epic ones in there. Um, and some really awesome musical opportunities. And we have a record coming out April 23rd, Ooh. which is awesome. We're stoked on it. So definitely have to check that out. It's called Where Do We Go From Here? Um, and it features a ton of crazy awesome guest artists. And we're really proud of it. So I'm excited. Excited for it to come out, you know, got your boy on it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, you'll have yeah. to let me know when, mm-hmm. when it drops or when it's, you know, officially out. Oh, everywhere. for sure. That's. I won't be able, you, you'll get so sick of hearing about it. Trust <laughs> me. I'm going to blow up the internet with it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And it's just so cool how it, yeah. it's like, kind of like what you were saying where, you know, you, you studied a certain style of music and you studied how to get good at pretty much anything so it's that whole preparation meets opportunity where you know you didn't know you were going to get that gig you just no i did got the call you know and i exactly and had you not put in the work that you had been putting in up to that point maybe you wouldn't have you wouldn't be sitting here with this five years worth of shows under your belt you know right yeah yeah, for sure. And like, you know, some some of my major connections nowadays, um, you know, in the Los Angeles, at least are through Dumpster Funk. In fact, most of them, most of any of my good connections to musicians that I want to be affiliated with are through the band um, in terms of like, you know, names or whatever, if we're dropping names. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you know, they they have really taken me under their wing in a lot of ways. Um you know, personally, musically, um, in in terms of the style of music we play and just how I learn and perform music, you know. So, right. and they're such great teachers um, because they, you know, those, that family invented a genre. Um, of it's I can comfortably say that, that like New Orleans funk is because of the meters, is because of the Neville Brothers, is because of blues artists down there. And if anything, you know, I, I feel... I feel some type of way about it because, you know, you're continuing a long hundred year or 300 year tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something they take really seriously. And, you know, it's something I take just as seriously um, thanks to their their never ending education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so mm-hmm. cool. Well, yeah, <laughs> so that, I fun. have a few questions in regards to that. Yeah. So I guess number one being, do you have any tips for anyone out there listening on let's say professionalism or gig etiquette or once you've won the gig how to keep the gig those kinds of things yeah sure definitely so um you know I'll, i'm happy to answer these questions i'll tell you as well for anyone interested uh, i offer a master class called stop playing start performing that is exactly on this topic mm-hmm. Um, it has nothing to do with like yourself as a, as you know, I'm not going to teach you how to play your scales, you know, that's mm-hmm. up to you. 
but you know, the, the non music side of things. So yeah, starting right off the bat, um, uh, just some general rules um, that will help you go further. One is uh, forget about how old or young you are. Um, the age just doesn't matter um, in this. Like if you're saying, oh, like I've only been doing this like one year, no one, no one wants to hear that, you know? Or if you're saying I've been doing this 20 years, like no one wants to hear mm -hmm. that, it doesn't matter. Like what matters is right now, what's happening um, can you do it or can you not do it? You know, so that's that's something I hear people say all the time. It's like, oh, you know, like I, you know, I've only been like an ex it's like an excuse. You know what I mean? Like I've only had the piece of music for like an hour. Doesn't that just doesn't matter? Mm -hmm. um, which is unfortunate because there are many times where I wish I had more time than I did with certain recording sessions or whatever. But that doesn't matter. So um, keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Two is uh, as on a personal level, don't. Uh, don't fanboy. The minute you, what I mean by that is if you say there's like a musician that you really love and worship and respect and you come into contact with them in a professional setting or even in a, in a not professional setting, let's just say after the show and you run up to them and you're like geeking out and freaking out about stuff and, you know, kind of acting weird or, you know, like, like a fan, a super fan does of a super celebrity um you gotta just like swallow like take a deep breath you know swallow your t don't swallow your tongue but you right. know what i mean like calm down and and approach them um as if you are on the same level with them you have to get on you know the minute someone comes up to me and is like fanboying and acting weird or you know whatever is even without thinking it out loud um what i have what you what i have just done by fanboying or what they have just done by fanboying is put themselves on a lower level than uh, than their their hero artist, and and the hero artist won't even consider them um, to like out on their level to play with them. Um, it, when you act like someone's equal, I mean, and I'm talking about like I'm not talking about like you know Miles Davis like walking up to Miles Davis and acting like he's equal, but uh, or or anyone you know super famous or great or whatever, but. There is like a mentality to how you approach or how you should approach, you know, musicians, because we're all in this game together, whether you have a million dollars or one dollar or whether you have a million followers or one follower. Um, and by acting professional, by acting, you know, like keeping it cool, um, odds are odds of you getting that call go through the roof instead of being like, oh, my God, I loved when you played with Justin Timberlake. Like, you were so great. It's like. Yo, dude, dope. You can just, you know, you can say like, yo, dude, dope yeah. gig, you know, it's like, what's that like? Is it, is it fun? You know? And then you know, it's like, and don't be an asshole about it. You know, there's a fine line to it for mm -hmm. sure. But, uh, but yeah, like, you know, that's, that's another thing to do um, in terms of professionalism, mm -hmm. you know, just, just keep calm, cool and collected. Um, know that you, what you have to offer um, is it should be valued just as much as what your famous musicians have to offer because you know you're giving part of your soul. Um, that's another thing. Uh, keeping the gig, obviously, preparation like showing up prepared. Uh, that is not something I feel like I need to teach someone, you know, that's up to you. Uh, if you're not, you know, like, like <laughs> no one's gonna hold your hand through anything. Um, and you'll lose a gig faster than you'll get one. That's for sure. If you're not, uh, if you're not prepared, um, or if you haven't studied different styles of, of whatever the music that you're getting called for. Um, what were some of the other questions you said, getting the gig, keeping the gig. Oh, oh, here's another thing. Here's another thing that I always say. And this, these are just I, in the masterclass. I have it in a much more organized format, um, with diagrams and images mm -hmm. and whatnot. But, um, the, the thing that so many younger musicians forget is that, um, you know, when you're 18 or whatever, and you're going to school, you are competing with your teachers for, for work. You know what I mean? It, it can be looked mm -hmm. that way, you know, like, but your teachers um, are, what you're doing at music school is you're paying for a net, a network of musicians. Like, you, you know, going to DePaul, what I paid for in school is not how to learn my scales. Um, it's not how to sight read. It's not how to do anything technical on my horn. Obviously I had great teachers and like they helped, you know, with my technical proficiency, but what you are paying for with music school is uh, a 10 year head start on anyone who just moved to Chicago cold um, it is the way I look mm -hmm. at it. So if you are in a professional music school, if you're not in a professional music school, um, 
just know that that the way you act at any time um, is being taken, like people take notes of that. So like if you're acting, if, if you're like the one who gets really drunk at the bar after every everything, or if you're uh, if you're the one who is, uh, what are some other examples? Um, really late to rehearsal, you know, all the time. Or if you're, you know, like if you're if you're not if you're dressed like a slob, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like unfortunately, that is something that does count. Um, you know, like your your the way you approach the world is documented by people, whether you know it or not. And you have to constantly keep that in mind. You know, like if you're leaving your house looking like a slob every day, people take notice of that and recognize it, and it can keep you from getting a gig far faster than it can hurt or than it can help you. So just remembering that, like you know, it as impossible as it is to separate artist life from personal life. At least for me, it can be okay. really difficult. Um, that you got to remember that when when you're out and about and in public um, that people are, are watching you and your followers are watching you and you know look either they're looking up to you or they're saying like oh I don't want to do things like that yeah you know so for for a gig that is in the public eye like me you know like what we do so that's just something to keep in mind because I don't know. <laughs> that's, I, I, that's, that's part of my story. Yeah, no, I would say that's very important. And no matter where you are, whether it's at school or, I mean, you and I have both moved to different cities in the last few years. I would say mm-hmm. those things matter a lot when it comes to networking in a new environment at all. And, you know, Definitely. sometimes you only get one chance. You get one first impression. Oh, if you're lucky, you get one, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, totally. So, yeah, and and when that moment comes, like, seize it, take advantage of it, and, you know, draw from that inner confidence that we talked about earlier, draw from your experience, you know, take a deep breath, and then go Mm -hmm. for it, Um, you know, and, and, and value yourself, you know, hold, hold yourself in high, uh, in high value, because it, it, even though, say you have you know you're you're not the most confident you know in your own abilities just remember that as an artist you are sharing part of your soul with the world and that should be commended Mm -hmm. all the time Uh, and that it takes guts to do what we do and you know to even get on the stage is you know something we take for granted because me and you have done it so many times but there you know for so many out there who are looking to do this kind of work or looking to for this style you know style of life to have confidence in yourself because it is, you know, a sacred thing that we get to do uh, and that a lot of people want to be able to do. So, you know, find, find that confidence, find that, that part of yourself, that, that inner strength. Right. Right. So on that topic, I wanted to ask you about spirituality and whether or not you are spiritual at all and whether or not that Mm -hmm. plays a role in not only your musical life but also just your your life as a whole sure um i would not describe myself as a inherently spiritual person in terms of like assigning Mm -hmm. a deity um i definitely have moments excuse me i definitely have moments you know like you're playing a super epic show and uh i think it's really important in those awesome moments or those awesome opportunities to like stop for a second even while the show's going on in your brain to just like stop take inventory of what is going on around you um remember that moment and like live in that glorious moment um and kind of let the emotions wash over you and like it's okay to get emotional in fact i recommend you get emotional when Mm -hmm. performing um you know like i i just as a performer you know some of my favorite performers you look at at, um you know cats like even like the rolling stones you know what i mean those guys are are like 80 years old and are still giving it their all and are emotional and present in every performance i try to do the same even for a crowd of 30 people Mm -hmm. you know um taking inventory of of those emotions is really important and after the the fact um you know, remember like remembering particular moments in time where the the art is happening live and you're so invested in the moment. 
Um, and the, the, it's like a weird addiction and I keep coming back to it. And then uh, in terms of your question in spirituality, what me and Paris used to do at least before a show, um, whether it's, you know, 500 or 50,000 people, whatever, you, you know, before like sort of fist bumping and saying like, yo, like, you know, we're, we're badasses. We're about to go rock this, you know, and like remembering moments in time where we have rocked it before and trying to draw on those moments and going out there mm-hmm. to crush it. So I don't know. It's, it's less like, like I said, less of a deity, deityism or deism, less right. deism and more um, like internal recognition of, uh, of moments where I felt like the art couldn't get any higher than what it is and trying to just reflect on those moments as much as possible um, and to, to keep working hard to get to those moments over mm-hmm. and over if that answers your yeah. question. So what about you? Are you, are you spiritual? I, I would say that I am. Yeah. Um, I realized that, Hell yeah. you know, I didn't mean to cross any boundaries by asking that question. Um, None whatsoever. Yeah. I just find that a lot of musicians have, and that was kind of more what I meant was, do you have something that you feel like connects you to a, a larger entity? out there and i i would agree that i have that same sense of not necessarily being religious but just feeling like certain things aren't just coincidence or they aren't just happening you know sure and i mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. especially with your stories and when you tell us about you know getting that phone call and Sure, it was, you knew someone and you had the preparation, but I think that there's also something there that's like, that was just kind of meant to happen. Definitely, definitely. And like, I I completely agree with that. And I am on board with that 100%. <laughs> and, and I think if you're surrounding yourself with the right people, if you have the right mentality um, mentality is something a lot of my mentors talk mm-hmm. about a lot having the, the right mindset um, that only good things can happen to you and sometimes they're happening to you and you don't even know that they're happening or you can't even recognize that they're happening so that's kind of where I'm coming like I what you said is also what mm-hmm. I believe in <laughs> but also when those good things are happening you gotta like re- learn to recognize that they are happening or that they right. have happened um, and, you know, gratitude is something I am constantly, it's like a word I use so often when, when whether it's someone saying, yo, great show, I always say like, yo, mm-hmm. thanks for coming, you know, or like, I'm grateful that you're here sharing with us or whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, after whatever is happening, especially now in this pandemic, I've been able to have some pretty crazy epic work that I'm so grateful for. Um, it's, I, I, you know, there are, there are things that I could I could talk all day about how grateful mm-hmm. I am for, um, and, and yeah. So recognizing when those epic moments are happening, but also, yes, I think that with enough hard work that you can sort of manifest your own, uh, good things that will happen right. to you. No, I totally agree. So would you be willing to share any of the projects that you've been working on throughout COVID or are they still kind of under wraps? Uh, there, uh, some of them are under wraps, but one I can kind of talk about um, is this six-week session Dumb Stefunk did um, for a Netflix movie. Um, we did. We were in a bubble. We bought us a hotel and like the the studio. We, it was just the band, just essential personnel, uh, and we were in the studio eight hours a day, six days a week for six weeks. The month of August and September, we recorded the full score of uh this movie uh directed by actually i don't know if i can say who directed it almost Uh, actually i don't know if it's been uh published yet but um yeah it was an epic experience at united uh recording also known as ocean way the room that me and rashawn ross and skerrick were in uh was the room uh, nat king cole recorded unforgettable you know it's like some it's where they did thriller it's like wow. an epic studio so it was a really amazing opportunity to play in there one um but two yeah that the gig was uh 
I mean, a lifesaver monetarily for the year and uh, a really amazing special experience to work on an animated film. Um, and it's cool. I, I will be animated uh-huh. as a, as a, I can't tell you, I can't tell you anything else, but they had cameras on us, like sort of motion capture style, not, not with like suits, but so they could, you know, they could match up fingerings and, and slide positions and whatnot. But uh, it's, uh, it was a really amazing project um, to do. Uh, and uh, the movie won't be out for a number of years. Animated movies yeah. take forever. Um, but it has, from what I understand, been green lighted. So it, mm-hmm. it will happen, which is cool. Um, and then we recorded uh, the Dumpster Punk record. I did some stuff remotely for that, which was really, really great. Um, and then I'm just so excited for that record to come yeah. out. It's so good. Honestly, it rocks. Yeah, we're really proud of it. Um, and then uh, I've done some stuff for a couple artists that I can't say anything for because that stuff is okay. under wraps. Um, but that has been, um, you know, musically speaking, that's been great. And then I started a company called Very Good Cocktails, where uh, I teach private cocktail lessons to people uh, via Zoom right now, but we're going to be in person pretty soon. And uh, I've just hired my first two employees, which is pretty crazy. So um, yeah, it's been a really fun thing. And we can, we can talk about that if you want, but I would, you know, we can talk about music. Well, that was, it's funny that (laughs) you said that because that was going to be my next topic was your very good cocktails. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, for those of you listening, my whole brand is very good. Insert the blank. Um, so that's that's like my my ongoing joke is like my band is called Alex Vasily's Very Good Band. Uh, my cocktail uh, class company is called Very so Good where Cocktails. When I do uh, DJ sets, very good DJ sets. Um, it came from there's a woman named Katie Hickey who is a trauma oh, player yeah. in Chicago, a friend of mine, who, who on a Facebook post said yo alex if you taught a cocktail class for charity i'd watch it Mm -hmm. you know and someone else said do it you won't and that just means i have to do it so um we set it up from my house the first class we did we set it up and uh got all the ingredients i do have 11 years serving and 11 years bartending experience um at some award-winning bars in chicago um, Three Dots and a Dash, Paris Club Bistro and Bar, Studio Paris, Taverna 750, Scarlet, Lincoln Station, um, and and uh, most of the awards were at Three Dots and a Dash. But I've loved bartending and service culture and hospitality industry. Um, but it was a really, we had such a good time that first class and we raised a thousand bucks for Chicago Arts and Music Project that we decided, hey, why not like, you know, do this every week for a different nonprofit during COVID because... I don't know about you, but there were moments where I felt so helpless with the world burning and I didn't feel like I I could Mm -hmm. do any good. Um, And I didn't have any, you know, money to send to organizations that I cared so much about. Um, And I, you know, the, it was like a self for a selfish reason. It, It helped me with my own guilt. It's helping me with my own guilt, working hard to every Friday we produce a show where we raise money for a different nonprofit um, that we feel passionately about. And um, it's been a really great way to, I mean, we just crossed the $3,000 mark over 11 episodes a couple weeks ago and um, of donations. And uh, from there, it, uh, people reached out asking for private classes with me. Uh, and that has just taken off and I'm teaching like two or three of those a week, which is really great. Um, and pretty lucrative so um, now we're going to be offering my two employees that I am bringing on when we're back to in person um, we'll be offering Amaro and Japanese whiskey and sake tastings and classes involved with that Um, and they're they're also two world-class bartenders in Chicago in the Chicago area um, who will be going out and teaching classes as part of Very Good Cocktails. You can check out all that at verygoodcocktails.com um, if you're interested. And, you know, I've got like promo videos and all the information on the website. Yes. You can check that out. We love that. We love good cocktails, mm-hmm. especially these days. <laughs> we do. Yes. Oh, my God, we do. Yeah. And, you know, there's like there's something fun about like the ritual of making yourself a really awesome, fresh tasting cocktail with great ingredients right. just like cooking you know and you 
if, if you learn this, there's something about making a fire yeah. meal that for me at least i know not everyone loves cooking but i love cooking and i love having people over you know to cook for them obviously we can't do that now but normally um you know it wasn't something i was doing much of in chicago because i was always out and, and doing stuff but in la uh, i've been you know i have a patio with like a grill and i can cook 365 days a year outside and we have you know we eat outside and it's just a yeah. totally different experience but um yeah but yeah it's it's been a really awesome thing to take on during during the pandemic to help keep my you know help a keep me out of trouble and b uh you know work on some skills absolutely sure. so what's your favorite cocktail to make mm-hmm. Right now, I'm stuck on uh, a pretty relatively new, modern, like 20 years old cocktail called a paper mm-hmm. plane, um, which is equal parts. So it's three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, whiskey, uh, Aperol, and Amaro Nonino, which is an Italian uh, Amaro. Um, so it gives it like a little bit of a bitterness, a little bit of that blood orange from the Aperol and uh lemon and whiskey it's like a whiskey sour on steroids um is a really basic way of putting it it's a pretty advanced cocktail but it's a beautiful color and every private class where we've we've made them together every single person is just like how did i not know about this cocktail so definitely recommend a paper plane yeah are you gonna be teaching that on any of your upcoming lives have you already done it yeah we oh yeah we did that one early on because it's such a good one um but yeah we and the full um if you go to like i said go to verygoodcocktails.com you can see the full youtube archive of every single live cocktail class we've done um we've done at least four cocktails every week and we've done 12 episodes so it's like what 40 or um, math yeah 48 cocktails we've done almost 50 cocktails teaching um and i have a book of my own database of like 300 so we've got some some ways to go but plus special guests are coming in uh this friday which is awesome so and for the next couple weeks actually zach marks will be out here in los angeles and i'll be interviewing him um during a class which will be fun yeah so that's been a really a really great project yeah to be part of well i'm sure sure. that you've done some Mm -hmm. tiki cocktails but i would love to see another one oh yeah this is going to be the summer of Tiki. We've decided to just do classics through the winter and the minute like summertime yeah. hits or whatever. And, and I'm able to do the class if we're not out on the road all the time. Um, I will be doing as many Tiki cocktails <laughs> as humanly possible. Cause it's, if that's my specialty. <laughs> so, so, and you know, you, you sat with me at three dots yes. dash and made you some stuff. Um, Love so, the Tiki yeah, cocktails. You know. They are amazing. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, okay. So I've got one more thing that I want to ask you about if you've got some time. Yeah. I'm chilling. I got nothing but time. Yeah. Especially for homies like you, you know? Gotcha, Audrey. Yeah. So if any of y'all follow Alex on Instagram or Facebook, I believe you share on Facebook too. The... Instagram stories you have created almost your own brand of of an Instagram story um so you have forever airport (laughs) oh sure yeah sure sure yeah the content's lacking nowadays because I'm not in a plane every day but yeah (laughs) and then you have the um coffee in hotel rooms (laughs) yeah musicians and hotels making coffee yeah (laughs) yeah tell us about Mm -hmm. kind of how you got started with that was it intentional was it just something that happened completely accidental to be honest with you um so yeah if you follow me on social media at alex wasily a-l-e-x-w-a-s-i-l-y um i whenever um, I've, I've been given the blessing of being able to travel for a living and play music. And with Dumpster Funk, in the year 2019, I counted, uh, it was something like 210 wow. flights that we took in that year, um, especially living in Los Angeles and Chicago, um, flying all over from those cities. So, um, and I love airplanes, I love aviation and uh, traveling, you know, I always joked about it. Um, 
when you're the way that forever airport took off is we were in airports so often and if you travel a lot you know that can suck sometimes it, it like the airport at four in the morning is like mm-hmm. not where you want to be <laughs> um and my whole take on things was like all right well if I gotta be here I might as well like <laughs> troll and be a goon about it <laughs> and like you know like like take videos of people sprinting through the airport or like you know whatever sort of goofy entertaining thing I'm seeing like the, <laughs> let the world see it um, and I started just hashtagging it forever airport because we were at the airport so often flying and it became this like this thing where now when people who know me or follow me or whatever are getting on a plane, they are hashtagging forever airport uh, when they're getting on and off the plane. And it's definitely, um, I mean, it was, it was getting kind of ridiculous there for a minute. Like I was flying like two or three times a week at least um, and sometimes more. And uh, it was, I don't know, a funny way for people to sort of a tag along and follow the goofy journey as I am pretty active on social media. Um, but also it turned into this, yeah, like you call it my own brand, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's funny you say that because this, I, I make this uh, part of very good cocktails. I make this syrup that goes into uh, any spirit and it turns into an old fashioned. And I just got the two ounce bottles in um, and hopefully sooner than later, I'll be able to sell them as the forever airport series. Cause you can bring <laughs> two ounces on plane with you. So making a uh, little syrup so you can make yourself old fashioned in the air. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the thing. And then the musicians in, in hotels making coffee came from, uh, one time, uh, I, we were in a hotel, you know, travel a lot, you're in hotels a lot and there's shitty coffee in hotels. It's just like a thing. There's no good coffee in a hotel unless you're staying in a boutique hotel, in which case, you know, it's like an espresso or something like that. But, you know, garbage coffee. Um, there's that show, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, right? Yep. I know that's mm-hmm. what it's called, something like that. Mm-hmm. With Jerry Seinfeld, right. And I uh, just started making this garbage coffee and then drinking it and giving like a mini review <laughs> in the mirror. So, you know, saying, oh man, this has tasting notes of like <laughs> sand and gravel and bitter, you know, like burn tar and garbage. Um, and then pouring it down the drain was like part of it. And so uh, that like really mm-hmm. made people laugh, you know, and I, that brought me joy, but I would, you know, put, do that little goofy bit and then put my phone down and then my phone would just be exploding with people like laughing and like thinking it was really funny. And so that became a thing um, just through that. And it, and, you know, I would like when touring with Ryan or whatever, we'd be in the room together and he'd be like, bro, you can do the coffee thing or what? <laughs> it's like, people are waiting. So it became definitely a joke, um, so much so that uh, someone bought me an air press and sent it to me, um, or AeroPress or whatever, and I still refuse to bring it on the road because that's not the bit. I don't want good coffee. Right. You know, I want shitty coffee mm-hmm. is, is mm-hmm. the bit. So, um, but yeah, you know, and that's, that's like, you know, going back to that whole find your individual voice, like find what works for you. Those two things were completely by accident. Um, and, you know, just trying or just being being the yourself on social media or being the authentic version of yourself, you know, like how I act on social media is how I act at home. You know, I'm like a total goon all the time, um, much to the chagrin of my closest friends and girlfriend. But uh, it's definitely, you know, yeah. like, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, I've known you for like I 10 know. years. <laughs> you know, like, you know, that, that I'm, I'm this way all the time. Um, and so, yeah, and people are drawn to that particular thing and it's mm-hmm. worked out for me. So I don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> that your question. It was a great, like, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. tip for social media. I think for us artists is a lot of times it's like, who should I be on social media? Or we're searching for that image when really it's like, no, you are the image, you know, <laughs> like, sure. Yeah, you know, and then, you know, of course, if you're like playing a mm-hmm. character, then then do that. That is a thing that, that some people do is when they get on stage, they're a completely different person, which mm-hmm. is totally great as well. Um, but yeah, being the most authentic version of yourself is all anyone wants. Um, we talk about authenticity a lot in the master classes because that is what goes much further than your ability mm-hmm. to play the part, right. um, mm-hmm. in my opinion, so at least for the people yeah. I'm calling, for sure. And so when you, you have, mm-hmm. I don't, I haven't like checked specifically, but do you have your w- Wasili's cocktails 
on the same page as your music? Is it all in one place or do you have a separate account for all of that? I have a separate account, but in both accounts in the bio or whatever, it says, you know, like on my, my music personal account or whatever, it says like, you know, con Selmer artist, uh, trombonist for, you know, Dar- mm-hmm. Bone Lord for Dumpster Punk. And then it says cocktail instructor. And then I tagged very good cocktails. And then same on very good cocktails. It says instructed mm-hmm. by Alex Vasili. So um, yeah, I mean, they're inner, you can find what I do with ease um and that that's another thing we talk about in the master class is like how to how to wrangle you know the era that we're living in of social media where no one teaches you shit on how to do that and um i just kind of briefly go over what has worked for me um in terms of of you know a successful uh social media contact plan or whatever which unfortunately is just part of the game if it was if it was really up to me i wouldn't have any of this stuff i wouldn't i would just be you know, myself out in the wild. But unfortunately, for a lot of the things that I'm doing, that requires a pretty heavy social media presence. Um, and it's something I wish I could unplug mm-hmm. from or pay someone to do, but not, I can't afford that yet. And, uh, and right. it's just part of the game. So you might as so. well make it fun and make it something that you enjoy doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, you know, that's kind of like the airport. Just <laughs> might as well troll it. Might as well laugh my ass off. I'm like still like hammered from the night before or whatever, like getting getting into a cab and going yeah, to the airport right. at like three in the morning. Go fly to some poor city that like isn't expecting loud trombone <laughs> in it that day. But that's just what's going to happen for oh, sure. That's so funny. <laughs> well, yeah, we definitely enjoy yeah. seeing your, your, your experiences through those stories. I just had to bring that up sure <laughs> of course of course yeah it's part of my identity and good, i'm okay with that <laughs> so yeah mm-hmm. i guess that's all i've got for you today if there's any hell yeah yeah if you have that's any cool with me. like last minute stories or advice or just one little random thing you want to leave us with go <laughs> sure um yeah, I mean, you know, be the be the best version of yourself. Um, that's all anyone mm-hmm. could ever ask for is like, you know, it, it is you can totally do anything. I'm a, like with with the Internet nowadays, you can reach out to your favorite artists. You can you can mm-hmm. learn how to do anything um, and you can uh, you can only help yourself by educating yourself as much as you can about certain, you know, whatever it is you're passionate about. And you have everything at your fingertips um nowadays whether it's you know and and not even like on a smartphone if you go to the library you can Mm -hmm. get on the internet and figure it out you know so it's and and you know unfortunately this world is moving so fast all the time that there's like no excuse for anyone not knowing a hundred percent of everything all the time so try to Mm -hmm. get out and ahead of that um and and learn as much as you can and like diligently learn the history and tradition of whatever style that you're performing Mm -hmm. as a musician and you know as a person that goes a lot of ways too but you know in my experience as a musician that's one thing and then yeah be authentic be the best version of yourself and if you you know if you're feeling down or whatever that's what your friends are there for your friends are there to constantly pick you up all the time um whether they know it or not (laughs) Uh, i rely on my friends really heavily and uh they reciprocate you know, and I, I try to reciprocate all the love and support that they give me all the time. And, uh, you know, being the best version of yourself, the most authentic, the most giving version of yourself um, can only help you. So that is something I always try to just instill mm-hmm. in other people for sure. Well, it definitely radiates. I can say that much from having known you. Uh, it's a very influential and contagious thing to to share that message and to be that message because yeah i think that you are you know (laughs) you are the best version of yourself at least from where i stand (laughs) i i got a lot of work to do you know i'm constantly trying constantly trying new stuff and right yeah no one's perfect least of all me for sure so i'm i'm you know i thank you for that compliment so 
That's another thing, kids. If you're out there listening, learn how to take a compliment, yeah. say thank you when someone says something nice to you instead of no, I'm blah blah. You know, like someone says you right. sound great, say thank you. Yep. Don't say oh, yep. you know, man. That I is didn't, another you know. good piece of advice for yeah, sure. Take a compliment. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for absolutely. sure, for sure. But I thank you for the, the kind words. I really that you appreciate could be here it. Today, thanks for you having know, me on your time show. Out of your busy schedule, I feel like I caught you at the right time before it really picks up. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, I always got time for my homies. So holler at me whenever. And to anyone listening, you know, you can reach out to me with any questions about how I go about my daily life. I'm happy to share with you. Where? Where can we? Yeah. Um, at, alexwasili.com a-l-e-x-w-a-s-i-l-y.com you can find everything um, my my resume um, recordings music videos all of it um, it's all there cocktail classes whatever you know you can find it all <laughs> there Fantastic. and then uh, yeah if you awesome. want to follow me on social media well go for thank it. you so if much not, alex and yeah <laughs> hope that you keep yeah. doing what you're doing and kicking ass out there taking yeah for names. sure awesome all right thanks so much bye all day (laughs) yeah well there you have it all of the wisdom of alex wasili i hope that you all enjoyed that as much as i did Like we said, you can find all of his stuff at alexwasili.com. That's A-L-E-X-W-A-S-I-L-Y.com. Thanks so much for joining me on another episode of Up Next with AJ, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.